Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, happy Black Friday. I don't know if it's a happy Black Friday, but happy day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. How was your turkey? Uh, I'm Pr- trusting in faith that it was great. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could drop the illusion that we're recording these on the day of. But I'm I'm excited for this next season. I, I mean, my the Christmas lights of my neighbors, oh, they've been up now for like three months. I got mine up. Did you? I did. No way. Yeah, I even went up on the roof. Dude, I'm nervous about that. Yeah. I would be the guy to fall off my roof, so I'm going to do you a favor, and I'm not going to install my lights. You're not going to put them up. I, I will put up a blow-up nativity, which yeah. I, we do have. Uh, but I don't know that I'm going to go on the roof. Uh, well, Luis went up on the roof, roof with me, so oh, okay, well, solidarity. Two for one, right? Yeah, on. one of you fall, the other one takes you down. Right, that's great. Right, but I got a compliment. My neighbor came by and she was like, "Surely you guys had a professional do this." Oh, like, sure, actually, really? and no. I'll do yours for. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah, uh, two hundred thousand. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun. They're yeah, expensive, man. Season. I also saw the uh, Marstons, the Marstons lights. Yep. Remember we're talking about that? Talk about professionals. They they declined any offers to uh, <laughs> to install our lights or anyone else's for that matter. Yeah. But their lights do look really nice. You said, hey, will you will you put mine up while you're at it? Yeah. They, they're like, oh, I got something going on. Uh, I got to wash my hair. <laughs> I got to wash my hair. I got to do something. Steve said he's going to dye his hair. Yeah. He's doing uh, yellow highlights, blonde highlights, what they call that. Yeah. Well, the reason it is a happy Black Friday is it's uh, Eunice Yang's birthday. Happy Friday. Happy, happy Black, Black Friday birthday, Friday, Eunice. <laughs> I hope you hope you have a great time today. I don't know. What do you do on Black Friday besides shop? Steve got you some really cheap birthday presents. That's right. Because it's got Black them on Friday. Sale. And he bought them today, not <laughs> before. That's right. Uh, We're grateful for you, Eunice. Thanks for being another year older. Yeah, we are grateful for you and your family. And That's right. Just excited for uh, another year for you, praying I'm that it's your best year yet. Confident Steve will make you a great meal because he's really yes. good at that. He's going to bake a cake with like Wagyu tallow in the cake somehow. <laughs> sure he will. I don't know what, it, Steve, you got to tell us what you're doing for her birthday, like dishes, man. Right. We're yeah. excited. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, we're also excited about Ezekiel. Yeah. I was uh, I was reading <laughs> in one of the commentaries recently and he kept using the word Ezekielian. Like okay, that's a mouthful right there. Is it Kellyan? Is that how you do? Is it is it is it Kellyan? No, it, it, I think it preserves the keel, and so I think it's Ezekielian. No, Johannan, John, Johannan. That see that one's kind of different too. But that's just John. John you and, still have John in yeah, there. Yeah, but you, the pronunciation is different because of the expansion of the word. All so right, I'm gonna look. Hold on. Ezekielian, Ezekielian, or Ezekielian? Ezekielian. 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 We knew a Kellyan. Chote or Kohate? I don't know how to pronounce that. I heard someone say Chote. In fact, I was the city manager of Salina said Chote. Well, so I'm going to take that for pretty much a settled pronunciation. Danny Mayer called it Cheo the other day. Which Cheo? I know it's not that. No, that's for that's for sure not that. Yeah, I can't find Ezekielian. So whatever, you're going to have to just take our our word for it. Which is divided right now. It's not Ezekielian. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an alien. But it is Ezekielian. All right. Yeah, let's get into Ezekiel, man. Let's uh, try to do this. Hey, chapter 32, we are continuing. Again, weird chapter break, but uh, if you remember from yesterday and the day before, uh, we, we are talking a lot about Egypt, and uh, things Still. are not, not going well with Egypt. We open in chapter 32 in 585, so now we're on the backside of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, and uh, we're lamenting the, uh, the, the, the 
destruction of, of not just Jerusalem, but in this context, Pharaoh and Egypt. Um, the repeated refrain shows up again there in verse 15. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Uh, and it, the, the chapter has a weird second half where uh, the, the lament stresses how everybody's being judged right now. Assyria is in judgment, verse 22. Verse 24, Elam is in judgment. Verse 26, uh, Meshach Tubal is there. Uh, verse 29, Edom is there. Verse 30, the, the princes of the north is there or are there. And then verse 31, when Pharaoh sees them, he will be comforted by uh, for all his, his multitude. This is a weird comfort of going, oh, well, at least I'm not alone in judgment. Right. It's, it's like, this is a weird misery loves company. Yeah. And, and it, what it brings to mind is sometimes you'll hear unbelievers today say, well, if I'm going to go to hell, at least all my friends are going to be there. It's going to be a party. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's not, it's not. So this is a poetic comfort, I guess here that it's a, it's a device used to just stress like Pharaoh's joining the ranks of all these other nations that have been judged before. And I think that's the point, not so much that there's any comfort to be found in the judgment of God, but that you know, he's, he's not unique in this because so many others have gone before him in the judgment. Yeah. It seems like, uh, like God's saying, Hey, you're, you're going to go down to Sheol and all these people are going to go down with you. So he's, he says this in verse 21, the mighty chiefs shall speak of them with their helpers out of the midst of Sheol, the place of the dead, which in our, in our understanding today, we have a much more fuller, fully developed understanding of the afterlife, what awaits us. Uh, she all tends to be a placeholder for just the, the, the concept of uh, the, the holding place of judgment. She all could have a negative connotation. It could have a positive connotation and not, not positive as in like everybody wants to go there, but now, even believers saw themselves, those fo- followers of Yahweh saw themselves going to the place of the dead. She all. So I, I'm not sure how much that influences our understanding of the text, but it certainly does say, okay, when we think of hell, this may not be all that we have in mind when Ezekiel is preaching. He is saying, hey, everyone's going to go to this place of judgment, Sheol, all these uh, enemy cities and peoples. And Pharaoh's like, all right, I guess we're all here. We're all going together. But to your point, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure that that is a true comfort. Right. Well, and even in, in verse 30, uh, the rest, how verse 31 continues, Pharaoh and all his army slain by the sword. Like the reason they're there is because they've been slain by the sword. For I spread terror in the land of the living and he shall be laid to rest among the uncircumcised. So yeah, I, I that's not the comfort I want. Um, <laughs> Same. It's a good reminder for us to, to make sure that, that we understand the, the gravity of the judgment of God. That it is serious, and that should, you know, stir our hearts as we think about lost in our lives and and loved ones that we know that aren't following after Jesus right now. Like, we don't want them to go join the ranks of Assyria and Egypt and Elam and Meshach Tubal and Edom in the the judgment of God. We want them to be with us, right. and the, the urgency we need to feel with that is the urgency of the gospel uh, to get them the good news of uh, of the gospel and and. We're going to be talking about that uh, this weekend on Sunday when uh, we're looking at uh, John 4 and uh, the harvest field concept. And one of the points that we're going to make is, because you may have somebody in your life right now that you're sitting there going, okay, yeah, but I've, I've shared the gospel with them so many times. What, what do I do now? What, like, what's, what's next? How do I make sure? What, what else can I do? And the, the point is in, that I'm going to be making on Sunday is we need to trust the power of God's word to do its work. And because the, these, these Samaritans come to Jesus and they end up going away believing and they tell the woman at the end, Hey, we don't just believe anymore because of your word. We believe because we've heard the word of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, keep, keep going, keep sharing the gospel, keep pursuing, keep, keep putting the, the, the only message that's going to transform their future is the gospel. That's it. Nothing else will. 
So that's what we need to go back with. And uh, let's keep doing that. So this ends our section on Egypt, 29 through 32. Yep. So just uh, for you, as you're working through the Bible with us, 29 through 32 is all about Egypt. We just finished wrapping up uh, Tyre before that. So remember the economic and military powerhouses. And now we're kind of going into a different section in Ezekiel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Picking up in, in verse 30, or chapter 33, it, it, it shifts not quite yet, but we're beginning to get into the realm of the eschatological, and we certainly will by the time that we get into uh, chapters 38 and 39, and then following, um, things get, uh, if you think, man, things have been confusing in Ezekiel, buckle up. Yep. But hey, chapter 33, he revisits this idea of the watchman, and uh, this is taken from back in chapter 3, verses 16 through 21 specifically. And it's a, a similar idea here. Hey, Ezekiel, you're the watchman. And if the watchman doesn't warn the people, the blood of the people is going to be on his head. But if he does warn them and they reject his warning, they're going to have the, their guilt and their, their uh, responsibility is, is going to be on themselves and not on the watchman anymore. And so Ezekiel takes up the, the mantle and takes up the, the task and he issues the, the call to Israel and says, look, God, God himself is saying, verse 11, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his way and live and turn back and, and repent. So again, even in the midst of, of God's judgment, the call is still understand what this is for. This is meant to purge. This is meant to, uh, to bring you into repentance. This is going to be something that eventually Daniel, the, the light finally goes on for Daniel uh, as he's sitting there in exile and realizes, man, the 70 years are coming to an end. Why did God do all this? Oh, he did this in order to get us to to repent. And so Daniel has that prayer where he's, he's repenting corporately. But even here, God is saying through Ezekiel, hey, listen, wake up. I, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, which is, is such a, a, a kind picture of God and, and one that I don't think we often think about, especially in the midst of all of these texts on his fierce anger and wrath and judgment, and that it's balanced with this idea that he doesn't derive a sick pleasure from the death of the wicked. Um, he, he desires that people would repent, and that's why he's doing this. And then really, verses 12 through 16 lay out in so many ways the gospel. Uh, what happens when you repent? You will live. What happens if you don't repent? You're going to die. And and that's the call here. It doesn't say Jesus. It doesn't say anything about the atoning sacrifice of the cross. That's not what I meant. But what I what I'm saying here is is we see that the the cadence that the the rumblings of the gospel here through this paradigm of if you repent you will live. If you don't repent, that's when you're going to die. Yeah. So a lot of territory that we've covered before. Um, you said that this is God doesn't take a perverse kind of a joy or or a happiness in the judgment of the wicked. Um, but there's also the corollary that God does receive glory from the judgment of the wicked. How, how, how does that work where God is not delighted by the judgment of the wicked? And yet, in the same breath, we could say God is glorified by their judgment. Is he not satisfied by that glory? He is satisfied by his glory. There, there is no other alternative but for that to be the case. But I think this is where we, we have to understand and confess that God is more complex than we are as, as creatures. I think there's a, a category wherein he can have a compassion for his creation, including even those that rebel against him saying, I, I, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And yet he can maintain a, a pleasure in the full manifestation of his glory, part of which is the judgment of the wicked. And those two things are, are difficult to reconcile. And I, I, 
I, I'll be honest, I can't reconcile those two things mm-hmm. in a way that, that makes sense to me other than to, as we've said multiple times in Ezekiel, acknowledge God as a God whose ways are not my ways. But he is a God of truth. And so when he says these things and says, I take no pleasure in them, then our response is we believe that. Take him at his word. We, we take him at his word. Yeah. And then when we read things like in Romans chapter 9 of vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, um, that he might get glory, we read that and we say, okay, I'm going to believe that as well. Um, and it, it's part of our finitude and his infinitude and the, the implications that that has for our ability to interpret passages that are, that are tough. Yeah, I think part of the problem with us is that we are sinners trying to examine holy perfection. Um, on the other side of the cross, on top of that, because now we're looking at we're looking through the lens of multiple layers of my own personal sinfulness. I'm looking at through the lens of the New Testament and how that works. And to your point, we have to confess that we're just not sufficient for for some of these things. We, we don't have the the w- wisdom or knowledge to put these things together in a ni- nice, tidy package. But it is. Irrefutably true. God is glorified by the judgment of the wicked, and God takes no pleasure in having to judge them for their sin. It's one of those things. I guess there is a human kind of parallel where we feel uh, mixed emotions, uh, conflicting emotions even, that require us to act in perhaps two different ways. So I think if there's a human connection to that, we could say, okay, we, we know what that feels like. Um, if we can multiply that by 10 billion times 10 billion, then maybe we can understand God's position on that. Yeah, and, and maybe there's even something there that his passion for his holiness is even greater than his compassion towards his creatures. And and this is an imperfect illustration, but the one that came to mind as you were saying talking about that is if if my children disrespect my wife, there's a degree to which though I love my children, I love my wife more. And so I will punish my children when they disrespect my wife Mm -hmm. because my affection for my wife is greater than my affection for my children, though my affection for my children is still great. Yeah. And so to punish them does not bring me pleasure. I don't delight in punishing my children, but I do delight in defending the honor of my wife. And so there, perhaps there's something there with God's passion for his holiness and his compassion for his creatures. And there, there is one that will win the day in that and that it will always be his passion for his holiness. That's good. Helpful. The rest of chapter 33 then is, uh, again, ground I think we've, we've covered. This is the fall of Jerusalem, January 586 or thereabouts is the, the timing here. Um, I always find it interesting when the commentators put specific dates, like specific days of the month on here, and then they disagree with each other. Like what? <laughs> yeah, the dating mechanisms are imperfect. But yeah. I mean, we're, we're still within the ballpark. Right. Same month. For sure, same month. But sometimes it's like the 10th and other times it's like the 16th. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Um. But I've got January 585 here. So You've about six months after after the actual fall. This is when he receives word from one of the uh, one of the survivors to say, hey, yeah. Jerusalem has fallen. Yeah. Yeah. Ye- Wait, hold on one second. This is on the fly. This is, uh, this is wow. why you listen. You're watching listen how the sausage is made. Um, here we go. Yeah, because I'm wondering where I got that. Maybe I just wrote it down wrong. I'm trying to figure out uh, verse 21 of chapter 33. We're using Bible software on the fly, folks. This is what it's what's helpful for. This is exciting because you can hear all of it. Yeah, you are right. It is uh, five eighty five is what the Faith Life Study Bible says here, and uh, five eighty five is what the ESV study. Bible. I must have just written it down wrong. You're right. You're correct. Yeah, I'm glad we could save people countless 
minutes. Hours. Yeah. Minutes and hours of frustration and consternation. Let I, that be a <laughs> reminder to you that even your pastors make what? mistakes. I am shocked. Yeah. Notice how I put both of us in that category. I mean, and it was my mistake, but go, I said pastors. I go down with the ship. Yeah. I'm going down with the ship. No, but the, <laughs> yeah, the, to your point, this is when he's receiving word that this has happened. And it's uh, the reminder of verse 29, they will know that I am the Lord. Um, and, and why this has taken place is laid out again because of the rebellion of Jerusalem. Sad day, man. It is. It is. Well, let's turn over to first Peter chapter one, where we get, uh, some things that aren't so sad. It's a breath of fresh air. If you ask me, it is <laughs> very me much first so. Peter one, even though first Peter's all about suffering. I mean, it's like, here's how to suffer. Well, it that is. still feels better than Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah, and to that note, as the the letter opens, it's written to the elect exiles of the dispersion. We talked about that in uh, James, and here it is again. These are those that have been driven from their homes by persecution. Their territories are named here, Pontus, Galatia. You may recognize Galatia from the epistle to the Galatians, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Um, and this is a letter written to them that are, are dispersed because of suffering. And that takes on a key theme in first Peter that the opening of the letter though, calls them to hope and this living hope because of our, our salvation. And there's so much confidence that we can have and an assurance that we can have here. In fact, one of my favorite verses to go to for insure assurance is and insurance and insurance Good is, race. uh, is verse five. Um, that we are by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm. Such a, a good reminder to us is the thing that's keeping us saved is our faith. Well, what is keeping us in the faith? It's God's power, God's power guarding us through faith for a salvation ready to, to be revealed in the last time. That's such an encouraging verse as, as far as eternal security of the believer uh, is concerned. God is the one that is keeping us in the faith there. Yeah, and I like that. To add to that, too, the it, he talks about the tested genuineness of our faith, um, much like the testing of a precious metal to, to, or the refining of a precious metal. After it's been tested and tried, you have a, a more pure, a, a more uh, beautiful metal that comes as a consequence of the trials that, that the, not trials, of the fires that they have to pass through. And the, the connection is that we're going to have trials that test us and try our metal. That's where the term comes from. Test your metal here. And that's the, the the point for us as we enter into this awesome epistle here. Suffering, temptation, trials, the fiery trials that come among you are, are not purposeless. They have the purpose of refining us and making us more like Jesus to better glorify him. Yep. Yeah. Well, we've been in the prophets quite a bit recently in the Old Testament, and he talks about the prophets here in chapter one. Notice starting in verse 10, he said that the, this salvation that he's just been talking about, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. They wanted to know the, uh, the details about the things that they were writing. This is why we know, for example, when Isaiah wrote Isaiah 53, he did not know that this was Jesus and that this was going to look like the betrayal and crucifixion and everything else. He wanted to know, but he was writing under the, the guidance of the Spirit. He was writing the words that God wanted him to write, and he was curious about what these things were indicating. And the, the point Peter's making here is that we're in a blessed position because they were, as he says here, serving us and not themselves, so that you and I now get to understand these things. And this is a blessed position for us. It's kind of like in Hebrews chapter uh, 12 or chapter 11, rather, at the end, where it says that they didn't receive these things and they weren't perfected except for through what has now been revealed to us, and that is Jesus. And so again, it's a reminder of our privileged position, church, to be where we are in redemptive history, to be able to look back on these things and understand them the way that we do. Such a, a cool thing. 
I want to point your attention to one word in verse 20, verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Um, the word is foreknown, and it's, uh, it's applied to Jesus Christ. It says that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, uh, but was made manifest. He, was, he appeared in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Um, the reason I want to bring that word up is because that word has caused a bit of consternation for Christians for a, a, lot, a long time. And so I just want to make one connection for you. The word that is used about Jesus being foreknown is also used about Christians in Romans 8, 29. Uh, so the Romans 8, 29, in case you're not recalling that off the top of your head, is this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that uh, he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so the argument, the simple argument, is that given that foreknown is applied to Jesus and to believers, uh, both in a pre uh, prehistoric sense, we would say, okay, they must have a similar effect, a similar a similar sense. Uh, Christians have been called to be Christians, and they are foreknown by God before our lives even began, before we were even a twinkle in our mother's eye. And so we would say this is a this is a helpful text. Not it's not certainly everything, but it's a helpful text that helps us to see. Okay, God chose us before we ever chose Him, or even could think to choose Him in the same way that He chose Christ before the ages began. It wasn't Jesus choosing the Father before time. It was Jesus and the Father working together in His uh, divine foreknowledge. Helpful, helpful explanation there for sure. Well, happy birthday, Eunice, and happy Black Friday, everybody else. Have fun shopping. Have fun shopping, and we'll catch you again Get tomorrow. them deals. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.